Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it is a privilege to be here. Um, my name is Josh Davies. I'm an elder here at Montmorency Community Church, and uh, as I said, it's a privilege to still be able to meet together through this technology, uh, to be able to share in communion and sing praises to God and be able to learn from His Word. So we are grateful. Let's uh, open your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and we'll read the first uh, 13 verses. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Lord and God, we are grateful for your word and that it contains the truth. We are grateful for this technology we have this morning to be able to connect with one another and worship you and honour your name and remember your son, Jesus Christ, for what he has done and learn from your word. And we just pray your blessing now upon this time we spend with one another learning from your word to become more like Christ. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last couple of days, I've received some, uh, some advice on uh, perhaps what I could get away with wearing uh, in front of this camera and this setup. Um, I was told that it would be alright if you just put a shirt on um, and, and some shorts and thongs. Now, from what I can see, it would seem like I'd probably be able to get away with that. Uh, but I haven't. I've still gone with the, the usual outfit for a Sunday morning when I'm speaking. Uh, I won't mention any names, but uh, Trent Rapp uh, sort of mentioned to me that uh, he, he would be rolling out of bed um, onto the couch uh, to be able to turn the service on, to be able to watch the service through the, the live streaming. Um, please realise we have cameras that work both ways. Uh, we can see you. Uh, we can hear you, the audio. It's not an opportune time to fall asleep. <clears throat> we are grateful for uh, the people that have been able to pull all this together, um, not just for today but into the weeks going forward. We are continuing our series on, on Christ-likeness and it, and it comes under our theme um, of, of becoming. 
It's our fourth priority and it's our theme for 2020, becoming. As we continually draw our attention to our purpose of why we exist, that we would give an opportunity to, in Montmorency Community Church and the wider community, the opportunity to know and follow Jesus. And today we look at the example of Christ in the wilderness in Luke 4 when Satan tempted Jesus for 40 days. What is Christ's response? What would Jesus do? It's a a very common uh, phrase, thing that's been around for a while now. What would Jesus do or what would Jesus say? And here in Luke 4, we actually get, we know exactly what Jesus would say. We know exactly what Jesus would do in these circumstances of temptation because it's recorded here for us. And this is the beginning of Jesus having victory over Satan and evil. And he's starting something here in the wilderness that flows on through his years on earth and into the future. He demonstrates in the wilderness victory over, over, over Satan and temptation. At the cross he, he showed, demonstrates victory over sin. And in the resurrection he, he demonstrates victory over death. And in what is to come he will have the ultimate victory over Satan and evil and they'll be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. 1 Corinthians 15 says death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We share in this victory both now as we face temptations, we can share in the victory that Jesus has and into the future. You know, there is one great reality of the Gospels. There is this one, there's many great truths and realities, but there's this one great reality in the Gospel, and that is Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is part of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's already mentioned a number of times in Luke. Uh, To Mary, the angel said, you'll have a son, the son of God, the son of the Most High. When Jesus was just the age of 12, he, he said, I'm going to my father's house. And Mary and Joseph didn't understand what he was talking about. At his baptism, the voice of God declared that this is my son. And when Jesus claimed to be God, the Jews knew exactly what he was claiming. When he said, I am the Son of God, he was claiming to be equal with God, that he was God, that that was his deity, that was his sovereignty, that was his identity, that's who he was. And that's the reason they wanted to murder him. You see, when Satan tempted Jesus, he wasn't bringing into question whether Jesus was the Son of God. 
You read the text and you might think different, but when you look at the Greek text in verse 3 and in, and in verse 9, it says, if you are the Son of God. It says, if you are the Son of God. It, the, the, the translation is better translated as since um, or because. It's not, it's not used to, to, to give a question about who this person is. It's actually saying, since you are the Son of God. It's making a statement about who this person is. You see, Satan... Satan didn't question whether Jesus is God. He knows exactly who he is. You see, Lucifer was was present as an unfallen angel when Jesus was in the beginning. He knows exactly who Jesus is and so do the demons and there's never an occasion in the Bible where the demons or the devil question who Jesus is. They know who he is. It's only human beings, only humans who can't believe, won't believe and who question that Jesus is God. Satan didn't question him as the son of God. He wouldn't have gone to a disciple and asked one of the disciples to turn a stone into bread. (laughs) Not possible, he wouldn't have worried about that. But he went to Jesus knowing who he is and put that temptation to him. Turn the stone into bread. And the purpose of Satan coming to tempt Jesus in this way was all about breaking the fellowship of the Trinity of God getting Jesus to become independent of God and do his own thing, not doing God's thing, to do things his own way and not do it God's way. And if if Satan's plan was successful, it would have dramatically changed everything. But he wasn't. He failed and Jesus was victorious. We've sung about it this morning. And Satan this morning, he knows that he can't take you away from God's family. He can't separate you from the love of God. He can't snatch you from the hand of God, your identity in Christ. But what he will do is try to break your fellowship with God. What he will do is create doubt in your mind about who you are in Christ. Create doubt in your mind about God's provision. Create doubt in your mind about God's love for you, his forgiveness and his grace for you. But thank God that we share in the victory. We share in the victory. Possessions, power and pride. They're the three ways of temptation I want to draw out of the passage this morning. Possessions, power and pride. I believe these are the three of the all-time great falls of, of humanity, our weaknesses. Three things that continually trip us up that we fall for 
from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. These three things do not discriminate. And they're constant temptations we face as humans and as followers of Jesus. Uh, But we are encouraged by Hebrews 4.15. It says, Jesus tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. We share in his victory. Number one, possessions. And as I mentioned already, it's Satan's desire here to get Jesus to act independently of God. To get this instant satisfaction, possessing what the body wants straight away. And he sees a weakness. 40 days of being tempted and he's hungry. And the devil said to him in verse 3, Since you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And and as I thought about that, it seemed to me the implication here is you, you are the son of God. You have been here 30 years on earth. And here you are, waited all this time, being a real nobody for 30 years. And you've wound up in the desert, tempted for 40 days. The king of kings, ruler of the universe. And now here you are, starving, hungry. Son of God, you don't even have food to eat. Even God fed the disobedient Israelites, the ones who wandered in the wilderness and whinged and moaned. And here you are, perfect, sinless. Does God even care? Where is the provision? There probably hasn't been a time in your life I'm only guessing here but there probably hasn't been a time in your life than right now where you may be tempted to question God's provision. I am like so many of you that are watching and so many that are that are in our society today. We're facing difficult times. Some more than others, but in our own context, we are facing difficult times. Uh, Uncertainty around where the next paycheck is coming from. Uncertainty around the the, the sort of help we're going to get from the government and, and the banks and the utility companies. What concessions are we going to receive from our landlords? What's life going to look like in two months, six months? When will I be able to work next? How is year 12 going to work out this year? What's school going to look like for me? What's this year going to, how's it going to affect me? Does God care? Will he provide? Well, Jesus responds, man does not live on bread alone. And in Matthew 4, Jesus goes on and says, but on every word 
that comes from the mouth of God. It's quoted from Moses in, uh, in Deuteronomy. It says, More important than food and possessions is a desire to be obedient to God's word. We don't live based on the fact that we're putting food into our mouth. While food is important, we don't live because we're putting food and water into our mouths. That is actually to deny that God is in control. And the reason we live is because God allows us to live. And we die because it is what God allows. He knows everything. People often want all the blessings from God without the obedience. They want to place themselves as as number one and live life the way they want to live it but then turn around and expect God to bless them with everything. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, God feeds the birds. Jesus says that God clothes the grass of the fields. How much more will he feed you and clothe you? He says, don't worry about those things. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Then all those things will be added unto you. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Obedience to God is priority. Our dependence upon his provision, our dependence upon him for everything is what matters. The second, the second temptation here I want to mention about is power. In verse 5 it says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. People with power, people rather want it, or if people don't have it, or if people have it, they want more of it. So if I might have messed that up, people that don't have it want it, and people that have it, they want more of it. And we see that around the world so much. It's been like that since the beginning of time. Um, in fact, before creation, we already mentioned about Lucifer, the, unfought, the, the angel, and he wanted more power. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be above God. Now here he is, 
making this assumption that he can offer Jesus this amazing power. Power over the world if he would just worship him, the devil, Satan, instead of God. We know Jesus came with humility to this earth. Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he came to seek and save the lost. He came to serve, not to be served. And his humble response, it is written, worship the Lord your God only. People look for power in all sorts of circumstances. People look for power in in relationships. People look for power in the schoolyard. People look for power in workplaces, in family life, and sadly, even occasionally in churches. An attitude that desires power is, is, is a person who is driven and desires an unhealthy control in a situation. It's a testimony of ego. It's a lifestyle of greed and self-righteousness. And it stinks of dependence upon self, which is the essence of sin. It says to God that I have a better way. I have a more satisfying way to do life where it's more about me and less about you. But do you know, friends, there is a power that is made available to you and it is a righteous power. It is the power of salvation, the power that saves you from your sins. It is the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life that Jesus promised to powerfully change the way that you think and the way that you live. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only and he will powerfully use you to love people and forgive people and to boldly and courageously Share the good news of Jesus Christ. The life that God has planned for you is powerful. And it is all about his power in and through you. The third point we want to make this morning is about pride. Pride. And and I've and I've just put in here pride in position. Pride in position. The devil led Jesus to the highest point of the temple and says, throw yourself down from here. And now the devil, uh, as Jesus has quoted scripture, here comes the devil with quoting scripture. Out of context, but he quotes scripture from Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus 
for the third time quotes God's word in truth. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus didn't come to earth with his own agenda for his own purposes to do things his own way. He came with humility, not pride. Not pride of his position in heaven. He came with humility to do God's will, the Father's will, and to do it his way in his timing. How many times we read Jesus said, now is not the time. Right now is not the time. No, we're not going to do it that way. That's not what God wants. We have a wonderful position in Christ. A wonderful position in Christ. We are forgiven. We are saved from sin. We have an eternity in heaven waiting for us. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing blessing and loved unconditionally. And God can do amazing things through us. But we are never, ever to put God to the test. Never try to back God into a corner and say, well, you should really do this to prove yourself. There can be sometimes an arrogant or proud mindset or attitude that our position in Christ means we get a big say on how things should be done. Some even believe that we won't have to deal with hard times if we belong to Jesus. That our position in Christ means we're in, entitled to just enjoy wealth and prosperity and the good life. That God won't allow hard times is a sign that God is in our life. What absolute nonsense. What absolute nonsense to expect such things because you claim Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. It's a sinful attitude. It's a sinful attitude to ignore the Lord, to ignore the truth of God's word, to ignore the will of God and expect his blessings. On Thursday afternoon I had to close down the cafe in the city. Uh, It wasn't a pleasant feeling to put the padlock on not knowing when we're going to come back. It's gotten so quiet, there are very, very few people uh, working in office buildings and towers in that southern end of Melbourne. But you know, it would be completely wrong of me to go home, ignore God, spend no time in his word, don't pray about anything 
and expect God will lead and bless me and and give me peace and give me joy and comfort if I'm going to absolutely ignore him, if I'm going to spend no time with him, if I'm not going to seek direction from him. That is a proud and a sinful attitude to hold on to. That is where we can take pride in our position. If we are to boast, the scripture says if we are to boast, let it not be in what we think we are entitled to because we are in Christ. If we are to boast, let it not be about what we think we are deserving of. But let our boasting be only in the Lord. That we would bring glory and honour to his name. I just ask you this morning, this question, how will you confront temptation? Possessions, power, pride. Or maybe there's something else that just jumps into your mind that you know is a struggle for you. How will you confront temptation? I tell you this morning that Jesus is our example. And in becoming like him, we are to look to him as our example. Jesus, our point of reference, was always about the word of God. Time again and again, it is written, it is written, it is written. Psalm 119, we we read these words in Psalm 119. Do not let me stray from your commands. And also in Psalm 119 it says, Praise be to you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. They're verses 10 and 12. I just read them out just to emphasise where this fits in. Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. What is one of the reasons? Why would you hide God's word in your heart? To memorise it, to learn it, to know it. That I might not sin against you. And so the challenge for us this morning is as we consider being more like Christ what is the example that he leaves for us is to spend time in God's word to meditate on it to memorise it and allow God to use his power through his Holy Spirit to use his word to change us that we would be obedient to it and use his word as we battle against the devil and temptation. Let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord and God, we once again give thanks for your word, that we can rely on its truth and look to it for examples of how you would like us to live. We pray that we would 
depend upon you this week. In the most difficult of, of circumstances for a lot of us in our whole life, we would not try to do things in our own strength, our own way, but we would turn to your word, would lean on you, that you will guide us and that we would trust in you. We thank you for the change that you make in our lives through the power of the Spirit. May we be ever mindful of that and coming before you day by day, asking that you would powerfully change us and use us for your glory. We thank you once again for the way we can meet this morning through this technology and give you thanks and praise for the people that have put it all together and the fact that it's been working. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for everything you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.